There was a lot of chit-chat on the blogosphere of the interweb recently, including social media, about the role of parents as advocates for their children with autism. This isn't a new argument. Unfortunately, there's been a long-standing tension. The tension is between parents of individuals with autism and those who have autism, who are adults and can speak for themselves. On one hand, you have a group who may not be able to be powerful self-advocates, and on the other, a group that are smart, savvy, disabled, but more like differentially abled, and feel that parents' voices are not as crucial. The argument goes on to say that while parents have led advocacy and fundraising efforts for the last two decades, absolutely nothing substantial has been accomplished to help autistic adults. In response to that, there's actually been scientific comparisons between parents and autistics and what they value in research. Let me stop here and mention that I'm going to use the word autistics in this podcast to refer to adults with autism. Research has demonstrated that there are a lot of adults with autism that prefer this term. However, that doesn't mean that everyone loves the term, but for the purposes of this podcast, autistics are adults with autism. Children with autism will be named children with autism. Despite what has been recently implied, scientific research has shown that there are more commonalities than differences in the way that parents and autistics view the value of science and research. Everyone feels there's been less attention on adults and there should be more. There is no reason to pit the different groups against each other. Both groups think that there should be more research on making public services better and more accessible. However, parents are more interested in risk factors and how people with autism and autistics think and learn and also treatments and interventions, where autistic adults are actually less interested in that question overall. So while it may seem like a tug of war, it doesn't really have to be. There are differences in groups, just like there are differences between people. But what brings us together is sometimes far stronger than what pulls us apart. One thing that really cemented the two groups together was a further need to understand opportunity and gaps in employment across the lifespan. That being said, the United Kingdom has published more than a couple of times on patient engagement in the autism community, and that means all of the autism community. They asked what they wanted and what they wanted more of. The U.S. has done this a little bit in terms of the IACC strategic plan, but really not in the same way. Autism Speaks, on the other hand, recently reported back on the results of their internet survey, and you can check it out on their homepage. Again, Autism Speaks showed that there are many similarities between parents, researchers, and autistic adults. However, like the UK, the Autism Speaks survey showed that autistics seemed a little bit less interested in the causes of autism and actually significantly less interested in medical and behavioral interventions or treatments. It's not surprising. It wasn't that this group showed no interest in it at all. They just rated it maybe a quarter to a half a point lower than, say, parents or researchers. This podcast recognizes that parents play a very important role in the community. This isn't a less than or greater than situation, but an important role that does not need to be marginalized in order to give a greater voice to those with autism. As has been mentioned before, parents can be parents to children with autism like me or parents to adults who have limited IQ, can't live on their own, and will probably maintain dependence on their parents probably for the rest of their parents' lives. The autism community is a community, and that includes family members of those with a diagnosis. In this way, I want to recognize two new papers this week that specifically recognize the importance of parents. One has to do with their research interests, and the other has to do with their role in early detection and diagnosis. 
That's just a smattering because I really don't want to minimalize all the contributions parents give to their children's lives, not just before the age of 18, but for years after. I mentioned earlier that there are differences in how people within groups are different, just like they are across groups. Parents disagree with each other, just like autistic adults disagree with parents. So one way to better understand what the priorities of each group are is to focus on one research question in one group. So a group in the UK did this for the attitudes of parents of children with autism towards early autism research, and how are those attitudes related to factors like access to services? Also, why do parents enroll in research projects having to do with early autism, and what are their expectations? This includes things like availability of intervention and sharing data and results. I realize and acknowledge that this may not be the question of interest and area of concern for all people with autism, but maybe it is for some of you listening. The study sampled from parents all over Europe. Most parents, almost 90%, felt that early autism research was a priority. Early autism research means the research that's done in babies and toddlers, which is also coincidentally the focus of the Baby Siblings Research Consortium. But there was a little over 10% who didn't think it was a priority or rated it negatively in the survey. So in order to understand more about these two viewpoints, the groups were split into those that felt positive about early autism research and those that felt less positive about early autism research. I also want to say that there were differences in countries across Europe, so I don't necessarily expect this to translate exactly to the United States or Canada, but I don't think that makes it less valuable. Autistic adults have not always embraced behavioral studies of infants in order to determine the signs for early intervention. But on the other hand, parents do love this research. Parents who view this area of research positively are not unanimous in whether or not they think autism itself is a bad thing. In fact, about 60% that they didn't think autism was, quote unquote, a bad outcome. However, they were more positive about early intervention. And one thing that brought these two groups together was that those that either didn't love or loved early autism research didn't embrace the words at risk. Infants who have a high probability of an autism diagnosis are considered quote unquote at risk. However, that language may make parents and siblings feel like they're part of the cause. The biggest disparity between those who appreciate early autism research and those that didn't is that those who were positive about it said that they felt Early intervention, not just observation, was important, and early diagnosis was also important. So who were those people that ranked early autism research important? Well, guess what? They were more likely to have access to services in their community, and they also got what they perceived as being high-quality services. They were also more likely to have a child with an intellectual disability. These parents had a long waiting time between early concern and diagnosis, and that may be why they view this area of research so positively. There were also more interesting results that pertain to research studies, specifically how they want to be contacted before, during, and after a study, what kind of benefits they see from research, etc., etc. I'm not sure how interesting that is for you, but if you are interested, email me or comment and I'll send you the paper. Parents want an intervention component to research studies, but autistic adults may not see this as important, but parents seem to. And as long as we're focusing on parent concerns, theories, and priorities, another very important study came out which explores one of the reasons why African-American families have a lower prevalence of autism compared to Caucasian families. They also are diagnosed later. Now, there are a number of possible reasons. One is that they have access to fewer services, meaning they don't get a diagnosis at all. 
and then won't have a diagnosis to be counted. It isn't that they don't have autism, it's that they're not recognized or treated. So who is the first group of people to identify features of autism? Yes, it's parents. It's parents noticing the first signs and symptoms in their kids. As I stated earlier about the other study, lots of times parents have concerns long before their doctor's diagnosed. Is that the same in African-American kids? And is there a difference between African-American and Caucasian families? And is this the reason why there's a lower prevalence in African-American children? African-American children with autism are also more likely to have an intellectual disability, and comorbid intellectual disability makes it difficult to ignore symptoms of autism. A group of researchers, which included representatives from Georgia and Connecticut, gathered information from parents of both white and black children with autism. I'm using the words white and black rather than African-American and Caucasian because those two terms, African-American and Caucasian, may not completely capture the racial background of the parents in the study. So they compared the parental concerns with the symptoms in their children. And what did they find? Well, there were racial differences in the concerns that parents reported to healthcare providers about their children's behavior before children received an autism diagnosis. Black parents reported fewer concerns about their child's autism-specific behavior than white parents. Specifically, black parents were less likely than white parents to report concerns about two autism symptoms, social communication and restrictive and repetitive behaviors in their children. But what was interesting was that the black parents who were less likely to report a social concern than white parents, those kids were actually tested by a clinician. And the clinician felt that their social behaviors were more severe. Social concerns were one of the most reported concerns, but white parents seemed to have more of them than black parents. It seemed to be specific to autism-related concerns because there were no difference in concerns about disruptive behavior or motor or temperament from either sets of parents. So why is this? Could it be knowledge about autism? Could it be about cultural norms for reaching out for medical help? Yes and yes, both. But this study has serious clinical implications. Doctors often rely on parents for their first line of information about their children, at least they should be. And if black and white parents recognize and interpret signs of autism differently, then doctors need to be on the ball about culturally sensitive interview techniques. There should also be a greater effort to reach out to black families so that they recognize the signs and symptoms of autism if they're there in their own kids. So I mentioned earlier on in the podcast about employment. Autism Science Foundation is co-organizing a policy brief on the employment needs of people with autism. I'm going to include a link to a survey where we want everyone's input, adults, parents, service providers, and especially employers about where they interpret to be the gaps in services, the strengths and needs of individuals on the spectrum in terms of employment, and specifically about ways that things could be moved along a little bit faster to make people's lives a little bit easier in this area. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have all have a wonderful U.S. Thanksgiving 